This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to Chronicles of Nania. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined, of course, by the man that this show is named after. He's a writer at Gangrene Nation, where he does all the tweeting. He's a writer over at Elite Sports New York and, of course, co-host of this show, Mr. Michael Nania. What's going on, Michael? Not too much. I'm excited for draft season, excited for the new uniforms. And, of course, I am very, very pumped with the additions that the Jets made over the past week so really excited to get into these editions and you know just get into the season this year really pumped with what they did yeah no question earlier this week you heard michael break down the statistical end of colesio semile we did a show with michael and brandon thorne from scout academy who is a huge fan of colesio semile so if you haven't heard that program yet go ahead into the archives and check it out we did that one separately because colesio semile was not a free agent he was a trade so that's a separate show. This is only for the big free agent acquisitions. Unfortunately, if you're looking for intel on Josh Bellamy, this is not the place. We'll probably have some at some point, but Michael's been too busy on the three major free agents to get to Bellamy yet. So if you're really looking for Bellamy info, it'll probably be here at some point, but I can't promise you when because Michael's got more important fish to fry right now, specifically a certain running back from Pittsburgh who spent his college days in green and now is back in green with the New York Jets. That, of course, is Le'Veon Bell, who went to college at Michigan State. Boy, what a fantastic player he is for anybody that, for some reason, was unaware of this. And, Michael, I know you had made remarks to me privately via DM and texts and stuff that you had wanted Bell and you realized how good he was. But once you started digging in, you found so many things that made you realize that he's even better than you thought initially. And one of the stats that you found, which I thought is really cool, over the past two seasons, the Jets' running game really struggled to get major gains and to just really get out of their own way. Le'Veon Bell, from what your research has uncovered, is actually the best in the league at avoiding those types of situations, right? Yeah, so over the past two seasons, like you said, the Jets, they've been stuffed 413 times uh, from 2017 to 18. And a stop is uh, at least the filter I put under it. So a run for two yards or less and no first down. And the Jets have had more of those over the past two seasons than any other team in the league. So you bring in Le'Veon Bell, who has only been stuffed on 35.9% of his career carries. And it's not that much lower than what the Jets... It wouldn't seem that much lower, you would think, than the league average. But that is easily the lowest mark among running backs with at least 700 carries since 2013, the beginning of Bell's career. So it's just awesome to see that the Jets... Because Bell's a great player. Everyone knows that. But... It's, it's really great to see that Bell specifically is great at the things that the Jets were really, really bad at this past year. So you're talking about a run game that is stuff city, boomer bust to the max. You had, you know, you had your share of big plays last year with Crowell and Powell, uh, even Elijah McGuire in 2017 had some big plays. But the Jets, like we said, have gotten stuffed more than any other team in the league. And for Sam Darnold last year, it really hurt him. You know, he's playing behind the sticks the entire game. He had the, I believe he had the longest average, or he had, he had a higher portion of his throws from third down and fourth down and long than any other quarterback in the league. And the team has been stuffed on the early downs so frequently. So you go from that to bringing in a guy who has been stuffed less than anybody else in the league since he was drafted. And it's just phenomenal to see. And that's really going to help Sam Darnold avoid those tough situations that he was in as a rookie last year. And of course, you definitely have to, with a stat like this, give some credit to the offensive line. But still, you compare Bell to the other Steelers who have played behind the same offensive line in this decade, he still has a lower stuff rate, significantly lower stuff rate than anyone else who has played or run, run behind the Steelers' offensive line 
uh, in this decade. James Cotter comes the closest, but even he is about 2% behind Bell, which would be the difference of about third place and 10th place on this list of running backs in terms of stuff rate. So, yes, you have to give some credit to the offensive line. The Steelers did still do a pretty good job avoiding stuffs with most of their running backs, but Bell still did even better than all of them. So you, you go from a Jets team that's been stuffed really frequently, and yes, O-line has to get better, but they did add Clutchio Semley who's going to help a lot with that. But still, you bring in a guy like Bell who's got the patience and just this, the power to keep the ball moving forward and avoid these negative plays, and Sam Darnold's going to not He's not going to have to be in these tough situations as often with a guy like Bell who's going to avoid those negative plays better than anyone else has proven able to do. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. And obviously when you mention Connor, the sample size there is a lot lower than it is with Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, of course. You're talking about Bell who's top five in carry since he entered the league. No one carries the ball per game more than Bell has. And Connor, he had a good season this year. You have to give him credit. He, he just might be a really good player. Like Bell is not the same caliber of player, but, you know, you look at Connor, too, against the other players, that the, the other running backs that the Steelers have had in this decade. Connor is better than all of them, too. So I think that you just have to, because it is an argument a lot of people make with Bell that, oh, James Connor came right in, this low-round running back just came right in, and he was great. The offense was still good. But, you know, Connor is just a good player in his own right, not as good as Bell, but clearly ahead of the other players that the Steelers have had over the time that Bell has been there and with this strong offensive line that they've had over this decade. So Connor's a good player, but Bell's just an even better player. So yes, Steelers' offensive line has been good, but even compared to Connor and everyone else, Bell has still blown them out of the water from both a volume and an efficiency standpoint. So it, it definitely is something that, you know, the Jets' offensive line isn't that great right now, even with assembly, and we'll see what other additions that they make through the draft or whatever, but his numbers will decline a little bit behind a lesser offensive line, but still what you're talking about is not what he can do with this offensive line versus the Pittsburgh offensive line. You're, the comparison you want to make is what Bell is going to do with this, this offensive line versus what any other running back would do with his O-line. So that's a comparison you want to make. And you just look at the way that Bell outperformed everybody else who ran for Pittsburgh behind that O-line, then he's going to do the same thing. doesn't matter what the offensive line is, because yes, his fantasy stats are going to be worse if he has a worse offensive line, but he's still going to provide more than any other running back would, no matter how good or bad the line is. So I think it's really great to see that Bell has done better than other Steelers running backs. And, and like we were talking about, just his ability to avoid stuffs, keep the ball churning forward, not let the quarterback and the whole offense get behind the chains and have to operate from third and longs is a huge, huge asset, you know, to any team he plays for, but especially a team that struggled with that exact issue so much last year. So it's really exciting to see that Bell should be able to come in here and help the Jets fix what was a glaring issue on their offense last year. I think I speak for just about every Jets fan when I say, I don't care one iota about Le'Veon Bell's fantasy stats. And if you do, I guess you're a gambler. But as a Jets fan, I certainly don't care what happens with fantasy. I will say, Michael, to follow up on what you were saying, I don't think people realize just how important it is to have a guy that can do the things that you're describing because Sam Darnold as a young quarterback, being able to have the peace of mind to know that he's got a weapon that can bail him out on almost every drive by not getting constant stuffed and putting him in terrible positions where he has to be the savior on third and long and on top of that going down to the goal line and knowing he has a dependable guy there not just a tall receiver that he can lob the ball up to but somebody he can hand the ball to that can plow on in that's an amazing thing to have for a 21 year old quarterback yeah and the thing with Bell and we talked about fantasy stats because you look at his raw numbers he's never had 10 touchdowns uh, 10 rushing touchdowns 
in a season. And a reason why, and we talked about this on the, the preview to free agency, is that he just didn't get as many touches down there as other running backs have because a lot of the touchdown leaders are just guys who, you know, teams really want to pound the ball into the goal line with because, you know, that's, you know, their profile, they're bigger guys, power guys. So they'll score more touchdowns, like your, your LeGarrette Blunts and your Jeremy Hills who have comparable touchdown totals just because teams, you know, force the ball to those guys in the end zone. But with Bell, a guy who played on a Pittsburgh offense where you have Juju Smith-Schuster, Antonio Brown, all the other great receivers that they've had there and tight ends, then it, they're going to be spreading the ball around a lot. They're not just going to force the ball to Bell. But when Bell did get the opportunities in the red zone, he was as good as they come. So since 2014, Bell's had 29 rushing attempts inside the five-yard line, and he scored a touchdown on 18 of those, which is a 62.1% conversion rate. And that's easily the best among the running backs with at least 25 attempts inside the five over that span. It's actually about 9% better than David Johnson, who's second behind Bell in that list. So a huge, huge difference between Bell and second place. So it's really good to see he's been efficient converting down near the, down near the goal line because this is another thing that the Jets struggled with last year. So the Jets in the red zone last year converted a first down or a touchdown on only 19% of their carries. That was third worst in the league. And Bell in his career in the entire red zone, so not just inside the five, but inside the entire red zone, Bell has picked up a first down or touchdown on about 30% of his carries down there. So again, this is just another issue that, and like we said, Bell's a phenomenal player, but what really excites me is how he just fixes the exact issues that this team had last year. The stuffs that the Jets struggled with, putting Sam Darnold into third and fourth and longs more than anyone else. Bell comes in, and he's not going to get stuffed as much as Isaiah Carell did, uh, who's actually the most stuffed running back in, uh, among qualifiers, the most stuffed running back in the league, even before he came to the Jets. So you move from Carell to Bell, who's not going to get stuffed nearly as much, and then you're talking about the red zone struggles, because the Jets' red zone offense was terrible last year. I believe they were they ended up bottom five. Uh, they were, I think they were in last for most of the league in red zone offense, but a big part of that was the run game. Like I said, third worst, first down and touchdown rate in the red zone in the league. You bring in Bell, who's been really good in the red zone, as good as they come near the goal line. Just a huge upgrade on things that were huge issues for this offense last year. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Especially considering that the Jets don't necessarily have a prototypical red zone threat at receiver. You might be able to make the case for Christopher Herndon, but they don't have a Brandon Marshall or somebody like that that you can just chuck the ball up to. Being able to have Le'Veon Bell there and have a running back that's dependable is not only a huge weapon for Sam Darnold, but it should open up a lot of opportunities for guys like Quincy Inunua and Robbie Anderson even, who's not necessarily a red zone threat, because if the teams are keying in on Le'Veon Bell, it's going to make it a lot easier for the receiving core to get open in the end zone. Yeah, and that's that's definitely what you mentioned with the, the Jets receiving uh, the Jets receiving core because Robbie Anderson and Quincy Nunwa, since they've been in the league, they have two of the worst red zone touchdown rates in the league. They just don't produce in the red zone that much. I believe Robbie Quincy Nunwa only has a, a couple of red zone touchdown touchdowns in his career. Robbie Anderson only has, I believe, three. Uh, but you did see Robbie Anderson pick it up towards the end of the season last year. Uh, towards the end of the season in 2018, start to get a rapport with Sam Darnold, but. It's just, you know, people overlook the run game a lot and say, you know, it is a passing league. You know, teams are passing more than they've ever passed the ball. They're running less than they've ever run the ball. But you look at the Jets' issues last year, and it all stems from that run game. We talked about the stuffs and how Sam Darnold had to operate from these impossible situations more than anyone else in the league. 
primarily because the Jets O-line couldn't block. They had a running back in Isaiah Correll who was, you know, good at the big plays, but he's going to get stuffed a lot because he's always looking for that big play. So you put those two things together, Sam Darnold has to operate from tough situations a lot. And then in the red zone, if you don't have a run game that's going to threaten teams to stack the box, then your receivers, who already aren't that great of red zone weapons, you know, none of them are Brandon Marshall, like you said, just that big-bodied guy who could go up and get it. So you already have that issue with your receivers, but if teams aren't threatened by your run game, then it's going to be even tougher for them to convert. And you put those two things together, you have one of the worst red zone offenses in the league, you already have a rookie quarterback, and everything's terrible, you go 4-12. and 12. So to bring in Bell, a guy who's really threatening in the red zone, you know, not only in the running game, but in the receiving game as well, but, you know, primarily in that running game, because like we said, the Jets were not threatening in the red zone last year, didn't do a great job pounding the ball in, converting near the goal line, and it put a team that already doesn't have the personnel to really be a great passing offense in the red zone in an even tougher situation. So to have a guy with Bell who actually makes teams think about, at least think about their run game, because that's such a huge factor. Even if he isn't producing that well, if teams are thinking about it, it makes life easier for everybody else. And you bring in Bell, a guy who has has been great in the red zone and just is, in terms of his reputation, more threatening than any other back in the league or as threatening as any other back in the league. It's going to change the way teams play against the Jets offense, make things easier for the rest of this receiving core. And like you said, hopefully Chris Herndon turns into a great red zone option. He showed signs of it last year. Even if he wasn't a consistent threat, he did show signs. So you bring in in Jameson Crowder, who we'll talk about more. Hopefully Herndon develops. And you bring in Bell, who's going to make this run game finally a threat in the red zone. And it's going to make things so much easier for Sam Darnold and this entire receiving core. Giving the Jets a top-flight option within the red zone is another reason why Le'Veon Bell is an exception to the don't-pay-running-backs rule, especially an exception for the Jets who desperately need something like that. And they also need somebody who can help bail Sam Darnold out in tough situations. We talked a lot over the season and then just now today on the show about how Sam Darnold was in third and long so many times. And when he did get into third and longs, he didn't necessarily have prototypical weapons to help get him out of it and be able to pick up these first downs. Well, Le'Veon Bell has a habit of being able to do just that. In fact, I'm pretty sure, Michael, from the numbers that you've got, he was the best in the league at it, right? Yeah, so since Bell entered the league, he's been targeted in the receiving game 85 times on third or fourth down, and he's picked up a first down on 39 of those, which is a 459 percent rate and that is second best in the league among the running backs with I believe with 40 or more third or fourth down targets over that span only Christian McCaffrey has been better and in terms of total first downs Bell has 39 of those Uh, total receiving first downs on third or fourth down Bell has 39 of those only James White has more for the Patriots so you're talking about a guy who not only and we know about the volume he puts up the huge numbers he has caught 80 passes in a season before and that's nice but you want him to be able to not just, you know, rack up check down catches, you know, one yard, just dumping the ball off. He runs out of bounds. You punt the ball. His catches aren't like that. He's an efficient receiver. And stats like this just show you that. Third and fourth down, he's a more reliable, uh, can be relied upon to more frequently pick up a first down than anybody else in the league, pretty much anyone else in the league. So it's really good to see that not only is he catching the ball a lot, like as much as a lot of teams' number one receivers do, but he's doing good things with those catches, doing more with those receptions than most running backs do. So it's really promising to see that because, you know, there are a lot of running backs in the league who catch a lot of balls. If you're an every down back, you're going to get your receptions. But the fact that Bell catches the ball a lot and he's still more efficient 
than most running backs is really, really promising. So, like we said, the, the, his ability to convert third and fourth down targets into first down better than just about anyone else in the league. But you compare it to what the Jets had last year. So, in 2018, the Jets running backs as a group caught seven first downs on third or fourth down on 33 targets. That's only 21.2%. So you're talking about less than half of what Bell has proven to provide. And if that were, if that were, if a, if a single player put up that number on the, the list of qualifiers that Bell is on here, that'd be the worst among any of them. So again, it's just a, yet another area where a specific area where the Jets really struggled last year, where Bell has been absolutely dominant. So third and fourth down, and again, a big part of that too is the fact that, you know, the Jets have been stuffed so much. So those third and fourth downs were pretty commonly really long, tough situations to convert out of. But Bell has proven to be able to get, he got Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers out of those third and fourth downs, like I said, just about better than anyone else in the league at running back. And the Jets last season, their running backs did not do a really good job in the receiving game, getting Sam Darnold out of those third and fourth downs. But Bell's going to come in here, and he's going to change that. So yet another thing that Bell does really, really well that the Jets were really, really bad at last year. So when you dig deeper and just look at these specific scenarios and clutch, uh, clutch situations and see how well Bell's performed in those and compare it to how bad the Jets were last year, it's just really promising to see that these really persistent issues, things that really hurt Sam Darnold last year, are going to be turned around as he goes into his second year. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Michael, for as much as these big home run plays will get a lot of run on SportsCenter and highlights on YouTube, and also obviously they'll go viral on social media, this is a league where, by and large, you succeed by moving the chains. It's what the Patriots have done successfully for a really long time, and that's something that a guy like Le'Veon Bell helps out with enormously, the same way that Jamison Crowder also does, because he, much like Bell, has a habit of being able to pick up first downs in situations that could be tough for a quarterback. Yeah, so Jameson Crowder, actually, this was a really interesting number that I found. So since 2016, he's picked up seven first down conversions in 15-plus yard-to-go situations. Doesn't seem like a lot. That's only an average of about two per season, but that's tied for the most in the league with Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, a couple of other guys. But just to put into perspective how good that is, that total of seven is more than the Jets' top three leaders over that span combined. Robbie Anderson, Quincy Nunwa, Eric Tomlinson. Yes, Eric Tomlinson have two of those each over that span. So seven first down conversions with 15 plus yards to go. It's really a high number, even though it doesn't seem like that great. But overall, Jameson Crowder is just a really solid third down option. Even in the red zone, he's been really good. He has more red zone touchdowns than Robbie Anderson and Quincy Nunwa do combined in their career. So he's been, he's one of the better slot receivers in the league in the red zone. Uh, he's great with the big plays, as we'll get into more later. But in terms of moving the chains and producing the red zone, he does a really good job with that. So, And also another comparison here for to put into perspective how good uh, the seven first-down conversions of 15-plus yards to go is. So as far back as this data is available, which is since 1994, only two Jets have had at least that many conversions in their entire Jets career. So that would be Wayne Corbett, who had 13, and Keyshawn Johnson, who had 10. And Crowder had seven of those over the past three seasons. So he has a weird knack for being able to get quarterbacks out of these super long situations, which would have been helpful for Sam Darnold last year, considering how bad the Jets were. But even so, this year, you're still going to be in those situations a lot. It's going to happen uh, just hopefully with Bell happens less frequently than anyone else in the league. But it's still, you're still going to have those situations now and then. And it's really interesting to see that Crowder has had such a great knack for being able uh, to get the Redskins out of those third and long situations. 
Also has a penchant for picking up yards after the catch. At least last year, he really took his game to the next level there before getting hurt. And he's got some interesting stats here that if you pair with Robbie Anderson as far as yards per reception, they're one of the best teammate combos there is in the league right now, right? Yeah, so both Robbie Anderson and Crowder have averaged over 12 yards per reception in each of the last three seasons. And they're the only pair of current teammates, both age 26 or younger, to have each posted 12 yards per reception in each of the last three seasons. So it, and there are a lot of other duos who have done it, who, you know, if you take the age filter out, uh, have been able to do it. But in terms of two guys who are young, who've both been able to be big play threats that consistently, that's your duo right there. The only two guys who are 26 or younger have been able to put together three straight 12 plus yard per reception seasons. But if you take out the age filter, there are a few other duos who have done it, but they're all really impressive. So the other duos in the league who have done that two wide receiver teammates to average 12 yards per reception or more in each of the last three seasons, it would be Antonio Brown, Tyrell Williams for Oakland, uh, Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett for Seattle, Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods for the Rams, DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller for the Texans. T.Y. Hilton and Devin Funches for the Colts and Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson for the Eagles. So actually four of those groups are actually newly formed over the past week, but still really promising to see the Jets have two young in their prime big play threats with James Crowder and Robbie Anderson. And the yards per reception becomes even more impressive when you consider his catch rate. When you put the two together, he's in pretty elite company, right? Yeah, so it, it's really interesting the way Crowder, and this is just a testament to the, his style play, you know, what he brings to the table as a receiver. He's a big play threat that you really don't get that often out of wide receiver, or slot receivers in this league. So, like we said, he's averaging about 12 yards per reception for his career, and he, uh, for his career, he's averaging 11.9 yards per reception on a 67.2% catch rate. So a catch rate like that, that's really high. That's Slot receiver quality means he's got good hands. He's giving you those underneath catches, those checkdowns, you know, three, four yards that you can rely on that guy to go get, you know, just to keep the chains moving. So he's giving you those catches, but he's also giving you that yardage at the same time that slot receivers don't really get. So those two numbers, a 67% catch rate and 11.9 yards per reception for his career. The only other wide receivers since 2015 to average those numbers are Tyreek Hill, Keenan Allen, Doug Baldwin, and Adam Thielen. So that's really good company. And it's not suggesting that Crowder is as good as those guys, but it definitely goes to show you how rare it is for a slot receiver to be able to combine just the reliability that you expect out of a guy at that position with the big play threat. So really rare ability for Crowder to produce those big plays out of the slot. And this is why I kind of liked him more than an Adam Humphreys or Cole Beasley, because those guys bring, you know, reliability to the table that, you know, Crowder might not bring to the table as much, both in terms of durability and on the field in terms of being able to get those short five yard first downs. But those guys don't really bring elite tools to the table, like in Adam Humphreys or Cole Beasley. You're not really afraid of those guys beating you deep. But Jameson Crowder, that's a guy you got to think about deep, even though he is a slot receiver. Like we said before, uh, with the third and long uh, third and long conversions, 15-plus yard to go conversions, he can get those. He's going to get your 20-plus yard go routes up the seam. So this is a guy who te- has tools that teams have to think about in terms of his route running at in athletic ability. He's not not just that safe check down uh, option. So it's really good to have a guy like that with Crowder who's going to come into the slot and be reliable, but also have some weapons that teams have to think about. 
People don't typically think of a slot receiver as somebody that makes a lot of huge plays, big splash plays, if you will, and they think the same thing about inside linebackers. You think mostly about edge rushers. You might even think about some of the better interior linemen, guys like Aaron Donald, some of the big-time cornerbacks making interceptions, but certainly not inside linebackers. But that's really not the case with C.J. Mosley, the Jets' new acquisition, who seems to make splash plays a lot more often than you would think. Yeah, well, well. first off, I have to say that transition from Crowder to Mosley was really phenomenal. I just have to give you credit for that. <laughs> that was really good. But anyway, with Mosley and a splash play, so obviously a lot more goes into being a great player than making those huge sports center uh, NFL red zone plays. A lot more goes into it than that. But still with Mosley, this is a guy who, in addition to all the other stuff that he brings to the table, has made splash plays a lot more than what we've seen out of the Jets linebackers. So you compare, and with splash plays, we're talking about interceptions, pass deflections, forced fumbles, recovered fumbles, sacks, and tackles for loss. So on a per 16-game basis, Mosley first career has averaged about 24 of those splash plays over a 16-game span. You compare that to the Jets inside linebacker duo, Darren Lee averages 14.8, Avery Williamson 13.3. So that's a significant improvement in terms of how often he's making those big plays. You're talking about a 60-70% increase over a 16-game basis. So Mosley, in terms of his per-game averages, averages more interceptions, pass deflections, forced fumbles, fumble recoveries, and tackles for loss than both Lee and Williamson have in their careers, and pretty significantly, too. But the one area where Mosley is a little bit behind is in terms of sacks. Avery Williamson has an advantage over him in terms of the sack department, and this is something that Joe Blewett has actually hit on in some of his reviews from talking to him. One of Mosley's primary weaknesses, and he doesn't have many, he's a great player, but he is not that great of a pass rusher, but the really great thing for the Jets is that they have a guy in Avery Williamson who is a really good blitzer and pass rusher from the inside linebacker spot. But overall, you look at Mosley and his ability to make these big plays. He's done a really good job making a lot of huge plays, in addition to, like I said, all the other stuff that he does in coverage and run defense. In addition to all that, he does make those huge game-changing plays at a really solid rate and at a much improved rate over what the Jets have had at that position. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Joe Blue will be on to do an XNO Quick Hits breaking down CJ Mosley probably sometime early next week. We've been texting like normal at about 3 o'clock in the morning because we're both insomniacs and we're both football nerds, so that's what we do at 3 o'clock in the morning. And he was telling me how much he absolutely loves Mosley and can't wait to reveal his film review. And I think that a lot of people don't realize just how good C.J. Mosley is. And you kind of touched on this a little bit, Michael. He has a rep for not being much in coverage, but that's not really the case, especially from the numbers that you dug up here. Yeah, so, and again, like we talked about, with the splash, he's getting more picks per game, passes defended per game than Avery Williamson, Darren Lee had, and most other inside linebackers. But that, those are just the numbers. It, it is nice to see, and it, it's it's really good to be able to have a guy who puts up those numbers on a, a really a really big basis. But it doesn't tell you the whole story. But you know, like Joe Blewett, I'm sure we'll get into a lot more on his pods, on his shows. Mostly he's just really good in coverage, and you put his coverage numbers into perspective with some of the other inside linebackers in the league. You look at Mosley over his career, he's got over the only two inside linebackers in the league since 2014 with 45 tackles short of the sticks and eight passes defended on third downs are Mosley and Luke Keekley. So nobody gets a better rap in coverage than Luke Keekley does. He's the golden standard, and Mosley is not Luke Keekley, but... He's a lot closer than I think a lot of people realize. So you look at the, what, the way Mosley's been able to be 
productive in clutch situations, not just making the splash plays, but making key plays on third downs. He's I mentioned he's got uh, with Luke Keekley in that uh, little uh, split that right there that I just mentioned, but Mosley does have 50 tackles short of the sticks on third down since 2014. That's third in the league behind only Levante David and Telvin Smith. So he comes up clutch, he makes big plays, and he's solid against the run and in coverage. Like I said, like Joe Blue, we'll get into a lot more in a lot better detail than I could. But just take my word for it, take his word for it. Mosley is a very good player in coverage and just an all-around star. Just he's a force that's going to be a huge upgrade for this defense, both on the field and off the field. This guy has about as good of an off-field rep- uh, reputation and just in terms of his leadership and presence, as I've seen out of any Jets free agent or trade acquisition uh, over the past few years. So I'm, I'm really excited about Mosley. Just that this was one I was iffy about at first, you know, because just the stigma of it, paying that much money to an off-ball, li- off-ball linebacker. But when you watch his film, you look at his production and some of the names that he's alongside in terms of what he's accomplished, you can, that's when you realize how much of a difference maker Mosley is. And he's going to be a really great presence for this team this year, I, I definitely think. When a linebacker has a history of constantly making plays on both passing downs and running downs to stop guys from getting first downs, that to me indicates that he's pretty well-rounded, right? Yeah, for sure. And that's that's one of the things I can learn from splits like that. And again, like you don't want to say that Mosley's great in coverage because he has five picks over five years because that's like one play a year out of the hundreds of snaps he plays in coverage. So it doesn't tell you the whole story, but when you put it into perspective over a long period of time and you see him next to names like Luke Keekley, Levante David, Bobby Wagner has similar production to him. When you see him next to names like that, then it's a really good sign that this is a player who is similar in talent to other guys who are known as elite difference makers. And, you know, mostly definitely has that kind of reputation. He's a four-time pro bowler, was a first round pick, but he's lived up to it. And I think that, you know, there's a stigma attached to guys like that. You know, he's, he's a physical tough guy known for his downhill play. And you'll see his highlights with a ton of huge hits, but this is a guy who's athletic too. Like you, I was watching yesterday his, his game against the Raiders this year. So against, against Kelechi assembly, his you know former teammate in Baltimore, now his teammate with the jets and assembly. He mostly is winning those battles with assembly. And it wasn't even necessarily with power, he was sidestepping him in the open field, just running straight by him, disengaging him, you know, at the second level. So Mosley's an athletic guy. He's solid in coverage. Just I'm really excited to see what Mosley can do with this team this year. And definitely once you look beyond kind of, you know, the skepticism that you might have paying a guy this much money who doesn't play what's seen as a premium position, once you look past that, you realize that just the durability he brings to the table, how reliable he's been, how consistent he's been, and in addition to all those things, because, you know, those are nice factors, but you don't really want to pay a guy the most money at his position just to be reliable and durable. He, he does those things, and he's a really great player. So I, I think this is a really high, high floor signing for the Jets. You know, he's not a premium position player, but it's definitely a signing that you f- can feel really confident that he's going to be an elite player for you. And I think that's what you pay money for in free agency. I think there are a lot of people that are hesitant because there aren't sacks and there aren't interceptions, and that's what a lot of fans go off of. And that's why some people back during his heyday would say that Darrell Rebus was overrated because he wasn't getting interceptions. Well, it's kind of hard to get interceptions when teams aren't throwing the ball at you. It's sort of the same thing with C.J. Mosley here. You dug up all these advanced numbers, and it really puts in perspective what a difference maker he is, both in the run game and in the pass game for an inside linebacker. You look at the film, you're going to see the same thing. 
thing. People should not get taken in by the low interceptions and the low sacks because there's so much more to the game and there's so much more to C.J. Mosley. Yeah, without a doubt. And and still, like like we brought up here, he's still getting more uh, more sacks, picks, all these big plays than most inside linebackers do, even if you know, you're looking for those 10 sacks, six interceptions or whatever, or, or whatever. But even when you put it into perspective against the other guys at the position, Mosley still is making more big plays. Most inside linebackers are, he's making clutch stops on third down more than most other defensive players do. And you put in, put him into his numbers into perspective, the way he's been able to rack up picks and pass deflections and be able to make plays in run defense. And you put, you see the other names who have done that at similar levels you get names like Luke Keekley. So it definitely helps you realize how good this guy is, some of the names that he's with. And of course, like Joe Blewett will get into, his film is great too. And I watch a little bit too, and just you watch him in coverage. He's, he's just a smart player. He doesn't uh, have many coverage breakdowns in zone defense. He doesn't make those mistakes. And in man coverage, even though, and that's another thing, like it seems like a lot of people expect these linebackers to be able to just, you know, co- go cover Saquon Barkley everywhere out of the backfield or, go cover Gronk out of the backfield everywhere. It's a hard thing to do. There aren't a lot of people who can do that. But as long as you don't have a lot of breakdowns, you play your assignment really well, do your job every single snap, and make those tackles underneath. Don't give up any extra yardage than the play gives to a player. Don't give them those yards after contact. Just don't miss any tackles underneath. As long as you're doing those things, that then you're doing your job really well in coverage as a linebacker. Definitely, I would think. But it mostly does those things. He tackles really well in the flat on screen passes. He helps people out when they miss tackles, bails his teammates out, and he rarely, rarely messes up in terms of his assignments. So I'm excited for Mosley. I think he's going to be a huge difference maker. Michael, based on the stuff you dug up and everything else that you've observed, give me a 1 to 10 on how excited you are for each of these three big free agents that the Jets have acquired. I'm, just, I'm not going to overthink this one. 10 for all of them. 10 for all of them. I'm just pumped. Let's go. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. And we'll throw assembly in there. 40 out of 40. And I even love Josh Bellamy. He's great too. 10 out of 10. Hashtag nanny of positivity. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, thanks so much for coming on for Chronicles of Nanny. I really appreciate it. I love how you dig underneath the hood like nobody else out there. PFF, if you're listening, this is the guy that you should hire to run your operation. He might be able to actually competently explain the scores that you guys put out. I still think it's hilarious when these same guys that'll say that you're a dope if you don't believe in their scores, when you ask them how they arrive at the scores, they don't know, and then they don't even know who the players are that they ran. That Christopher Herndon thing is still one of my all-time favorites. Who's the Jets tight end? Oh, the guy that you ranked just behind Gronk. That's the guy. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that's pretty questionable. I'm not sure it's going on over there. No, nah, I don't think they even know what's going on over there. But, Michael, if they had you running the ship, things would be going a lot smoother. And if you want proof of that, you can check out all the great work that Michael is doing right now, not just on this show, but all of his writing. For those that are unfamiliar, why don't you let people know where they can get a hold of you and where they can check out your work. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Michael underscore Nania. That's N-A-N-I-A. And most of my writing is at gangrenation.com and elitesportsnewyork.com. So definitely check me out for some more of these nerdy numbers and uh, some plenty more Jets stuff, a lot of uniform discussion. And I have to reach out to you also. I hear there's a, going to be a uni discussion podcast after the reveal on April 4th. So I, I kind of want to get into that. And I'm a little uh, surprised I wasn't invited to that. So, yeah, I definitely want to be involved. As my friend Dennis Wazek, the Jets beat reporter for the Associated Press, might say, I emoji, I emoji, I emoji, I emoji. (laughs) 
Thanks, Michael. We will talk again next week. In the meantime, check out Michael's work. Follow him on Twitter. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.